Funding for Start the Beat is provided in part by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers, my friends. How we all doing today? I am sitting here today. You can't tell right now because right now I just have one one lovely Benjamin on the screen. But I am sitting here today with <laughs> three fourths of Pittsburgh's own The Fading Light. Make some noise for the internet. Thank you. Josh, Thank you. John, Benjamin, Ben. Do you prefer Benjamin or Ben? Everybody calls me Ben. Whatever's easier. All right. All right. I'm going to call you BB. That's your nickname <laughs> for the duration of this fucking podcast. I promise <laughs> I will works. not. I promise I will not stick to that. So that works. What's going on, everyone? How you doing today? Doing, doing good, man. The lazy Sunday. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a rather hectic day for me. I decided to launch, create and launch a Patreon account. And it was rather time oh. consuming. But hey. Cool. That's what I did awesome. today in laundry yeah. and I forgot to eat dinner. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone out there that is not familiar with the fading light, Josh, why don't you give me a little backstory on what the hell this is and why we're talking today? Sure. Um, so actually the fading light is a project that I've been working on since probably, I would say really like 2008. But the, uh, I first formed like a group of people to play the songs that I wrote in uh, 2009. Um, this would have been back in St. Mary's. It was like my cousin was the drummer. Uh, we didn't even have an electric guitar player. We just had a piano player, like a keyboard player. And then it was like me playing acoustic guitar. And then we had a bass player. And I would say there's like five or six of the songs on the album that we just released were written all the way back then. And we actually played them as a group. Uh, we played like our local county fair and all this different stuff. And then uh, we all decided to go to college. And so the band like broke up and everybody kind of went to different places. Right. And so I didn't really play any music, but I wrote a little bit here and there on in the background while I was in college at Edinburgh. And then when I moved down here, I got together with Ben and um, I think that was where, where I first started talking about it again. I got together with Ben and I was just kind of, we, we just kind of reconnected. It was after a show that you played at Alter Bar, I think. Yeah. And uh, then we it was started like the second out. to last show before they shut it down. Yeah. And then like we got together and started hanging out and talking about stuff. And um, I was like, you know, I, I also have like punk music and metal music and stuff that I write. So we were just talking about like, let's take some of this music that I have on the backlog. I just been at that point was just kind of writing for my own pleasure, <laughs> I guess. It's like a hobby. And um, I was like, you know, let's do something with this. It'll be fun to play live, any of it. And uh, we decided to go after the indie rock popish stuff first, just because we thought it had a better appeal. And it was also kind of interesting as opposed to what we normally would play. Like I've always been kind of a metal guy and like I played in a punk band growing up. And um, so I was like, you know, let's try to do something that's a little bit different than usual. And so that was where it was. And I met Matt at Guitar Center. I think. 
And, um, Probably. yeah, I'm pretty sure it was at guitar center that I met Matt and, and, uh, he and I started talking and I was like, you know, we, could we get a, would you want to be our drummer? Because at that point, Dylan, our old guitar player was actually our drummer. And then right. Matt came in to be the drummer and Dylan went to electric guitar. And then now we've got John playing electric guitar. So that's like the, the, the history of the band, I guess. Um, but I always wanted to put all these instruments together because there's like piano in the album tracks. And so I wanted to, instead of my traditional writing style was with like two electric guitars and maybe one or two vocalists and then a bass and a drum set. Right. And I said, let's get all the different, all different instruments together. So I have like an acoustic guitar and a piano and an electric guitar and a bass and a drum set, and then maybe multiple vocals. And like, what can I do with all these different sounds? And in, in a way that utilizes melodies that I can remember that I can remember because like mm-hmm. a lot of times it comes very automatic when I get playing live, especially I'm not, I don't realize what I'm, I'm not like, you just, it becomes muscle memory. Right. And so like the, having the, these melodies that are easy to get, like in my head to keep going with when we're playing or to uh, write new ones, you know, and I like to do a lot of these interlocking rhythms that like, I like to call them whole band riffs. <laughs> where everybody's kind of playing something different, but it all fits together to make like a bigger thing. Um, yeah. Those are all like really popular motifs in my, in my songs. Um, so this was a lot of like, earworms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is the, all the fading light is like an exercise in doing those things all together for me. Um, because like I have, like I write other types of music that are not, that are not like this at all. So, you know, like this is a very like specific thing that I do when, and I write the music. Um, All the songs are based off of like stories of my life from different things that I've done or felt, or, you know, like there's one song that's, it's such a simple song. It's called, I miss you. It's on the new album. And I mean, the chorus is just, I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. A hundred million times. (laughs) Yeah. I say it a million times, but it was from a different time in my life. Like I wrote that in 2009, right. I would have been like 22, 23. And, you know, looking back on it as a 34 year old, I'm like, how, how juvenile, like those lyrics, but you know, like they really described exactly how I felt. And it's like a snapshot of my life from that. And every time I hear that song again, I remember exactly how I felt in the moment that I started to write it. And it's the same thing with every single other song on that album. In fact, every song on the album I wrote prior to 2011 and so it's, it was yeah. a long time coming before I even got to work, putting some of these down into like a real thing. Like a lot of times it would just be something I'd play on my guitar on my own. Yeah. And then like the rest of the song was in my head, right? Like it was like, I would hear the piano and I would hear the bass and I would hear the other guitars and stuff. And I'd be like, oh yeah, that's how it's going to sound. And then when I finally got it put together and Ben was giving me masters back and I'm hearing these things in my, that I had in my head for over a decade, it was like, really weird right (laughs) to be where we are now is like very bizarre like i dreamt of it a decade and a half ago that i could hear something that sounded like it was it's almost like being outside of myself and hearing me talk to myself in a weird way right like because all that stuff was just rattling in my head for so many years and now it's down and out and i was like wow this is like really cool so it's kind of surreal just to be here talking about this thing you know right it's cool from my perspective as well because that's what i tell people like we first became friends up at clarion where we went to school 
yeah. back in 2005, I think that was mm-hmm. a long time ago. And then for a while, we kind of went our separate ways. And uh, then we kind of reconnected that one night after that show, which was like a decade later. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> or more it was than a decade, maybe. a decade later. Yeah. It was like yeah. 2015. And from my perspective, and you could tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, but from my perspective, uh, you brought me in the morning, the first of these collection of songs and said, mm-hmm. I've had this forever. It's time to get it printed, to get, to get finalized and put it out there into the world. And so I worked on that song. And, and from my perspective, it was just a mixing project. Um, but it was also very cool to, you know, have a really close friendship with Josh working on these songs. So I kind of knew the headspace you were coming from when you wrote these so long ago. And, mm-hmm. and you even gave me some background about what some of the songs mean and stuff like that. So it had extra meaning to me to be able to work on them and, you know, bring them to life actually, you know, and make them take the great thing that you started with and, and take it even farther uh, yeah. than, than we both thought was what was possible. So uh, yeah. And then after we finished that one, that's kind of where I feel like the spark happened and you were like, well, this sounds amazing. We really should play these live. Mm-hmm. It At was, least that's actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's really cool. And I'm glad that, you know, something that was just like uh like a simple project for yourself wound up turning into a band thing and now we've been playing gigs and you know a lot of other people have been enjoying our music so it's been great i think that it was really really cool to hear all of this stuff you know coming from the perspective of somebody that uh i've only known josh and i know ben too uh i've known mm-hmm. you guys for like a couple years maybe not really. I don't. I don't know yeah. either of you that well. I know Josh a little bit better because I run into him in like you know various places in different states. If there's video games involved, I'll probably run into Josh somewhere. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> but um, you know, it's cool to hear this stuff because you know, like at this point in my life, whenever I meet people that are in bands it's like oh okay like josh has a band that's cool like i kind of don't care not in like a negative way it's just like i just don't give a shit because everybody knows in a band but then i remember the first time like hearing the songs and knowing like how much time had went into the project i think like seeing you guys live for the first time i think when we played that show at spirit together i was like god damn like these like you can tell that like so much time and nuance went into everything because you guys are really really tight and i think the songwriting is really really good and like i don't really even particularly give that much of a shit about the style of music that you're playing but real recognize real and i think it's good i think it's good like the songs are good like i think thank you everything sounds really really good so a lot sakes thanks what like what the fuck is next now (laughs) You know, do you, do you, do you take another 10 years to write another album? Like what is the process? What's the process been like now since, you know, you've kind of got a steady group of people together and I mean, you know, pandemic be damned, but that aside, you know, what's it like writing and rehearsing and recording, or has it just been like more of a focus on recording and fine tuning these songs? Well, I mean, up until the, the the release of this album, like especially this year, it was mostly just a focus on finishing this the 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 ten songs that we were going to release on this album. And then also earlier this year, we released a single that actually was not on the album. It was like its own its own thing. Uh, I think that we might fiddle with it a little bit and re-release it on the next album because it's a little bit more like the style. That's actually, I think, the kind of thing that we're going towards. The are are the song on my own 
is a lot more, I think, indicative of where I'm going with my writing. Yeah. Me, like me personally. Um, I have a, I have three other songs actually right now that'll probably go on to the next album if we all like them, but they're all similar to that with these, like, it's kind of like this, everybody's doing something different. Those whole band riffs. Right. But it like fits together in different ways. Like I'm getting a little bit more daring with my mixing of time signatures between, uh, different instruments and stuff like that. So that it kind of like the beat moves around and would you know, the, everybody kind of does weird stuff like that. Would it be uh, something like akin to like a like Circa Survive type of songwriting process? Because I feel like they do that a lot. Yeah, that's actually that's pretty. I like that. Uh, I like that um, correlation there. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, because I do that kind of stuff a lot. Um, and I have this I have this song about an out of body experience where like the beat like keeps moving all over the place because it's in five, but there's an instrument that does everything in three. And then, you know, like the, the accent kind of like moves around as the melody kind of like moves between them. Right. Like I, yeah. I start, I'm starting to do a lot of that kind of stuff, which is fun to try to make a melody that is memorable that mm-hmm. fits into those types of parameters. Like that's hard because we're still trying to make like pop music. Right. 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 And so it's, it's, it's hard to get super experimental and still do something that is like popular and poppy. I mean, that we're lit. yeah, dude. I mean, you know, listen to Dave Matthews band. <laughs> like, like, okay. Well that's the, yeah, I guess you have a good point there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's actually a good correlation too. I think that like, as I start to get, like, I would actually love to get a keyboard player involved in what we're doing because I've already got piano in a lot of the songs that I've already written. So adding that to our live show would just be a big plus anyway. But, um, I mean, opens the, me up to doing on the electric that? guitar side, I would, love to expand to a piano player because uh on on the album there's a lot of moments where the acoustic guitar there's a doubled electric guitar and there's Mm. a keyboard player all playing these counter melodies um you know we've talked about doing the tracks thing where playing live doing tracks to feel like to get that vibe still um but it's like so essential to have a musician that you can connect with for these counter melodies because listening to it i mean especially on in the morning i uh, during the during the final chorus the piano and the guitar are both doing this upward melody while the rest of the band is moving downward mm-hmm. um and it's like it's very effective to the music and to what josh is trying to portray in the music i uh, so it'd be really cool to um eventually have that ability um to be able to portray that even more because uh, yeah. yeah it really speaks to who we are as musicians um that there's all this stuff going on but not once does any of it not make sense mm-hmm. yeah listening to any of any of the individual parts on by themselves aside from maybe like the vocal and the acoustic guitar right because a lot of the songs on the first album too especially the older ones were written just literally it was just me playing my acoustic guitar and singing mm-hmm. a song over it and then as i started to add more people to the band i said how am i going to make all these other instruments interesting enough to fit in with this and like i had to piecemeal it as the years went on and you can tell i think a little bit the difference between a song that i wrote with the intention of all of these interlocking things in mind like i will is like the main verse riff of i will is everybody's playing like these different rhythms that kind of break apart and come back together and the melody splits the difference. And 
um, that's highly contrasted against something like All I Can Be, which is our second song on the album, where if you took out all the rest of the instruments, you still have the same song. Yeah. Right. But I will is not nearly the same song without all, all of the pieces together or something like on my own is actually impossible. I've actually had people ask me when they come over to my house, they're like, yo, can you play on, on my own for me? And yeah, I'm like, make any uh, sense. I'm like, I no, I can't like, it's cause my part doesn't fit like as yeah. a, it's not a solo song. Cause you're doing so, like a four on the floor with that one. I'm doing the movement. Ben's got yeah. some bass lines that are kind of like back and forth. And then, <laughs> add Matt's uh, like Matt's little like snare rolls there yeah. accenting where I'm not accenting, but you're accenting where like, it, it, it's just each piece really brings the beat together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, without it, like even just practicing on my own, it doesn't feel right unless I'm playing to the track. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, a good the- example. Go ahead. Uh, what I was going to say is that's a, that song on my own is a good example of, like you said earlier, Josh, where we'll be headed in the future, I think, with the writing and just to pull back the curtain a little bit on the writing process for us. So pretty much everything you hear on the album, 90 percent of that is all Josh. Like, I got to give credit to where credit is due <laughs> as far as where the songwriting comes from. In fact, uh, probably three or four of the songs out of the 10 on the album, I think, are Josh's bass lines. And I just yeah, said, Hey, they sound good. Everything on some of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, well, they sound good. So there's no point in me redoing them. So a, a lot of that, a lot of the album was kind of fun from a mixing perspective because Josh had kind of finished a lot of the recording for these parts. And then we tried to fit them all together to make a sound. And so I think the way that's going to be different going forward is that we'll be more intentional to, uh, capturing the sound that we want with the songwriting. And mm-hmm. so that's what I'm looking forward to in the future, because basically Josh was a one man show uh, with the first record. And then, and I got to give credit to where credit's due again. Um, it would be really easy for you, I think, to just take ownership and be really controlling over that. And you'd, you'd have every right to as well. But Josh has been awesome to work with and just really open to a lot of ideas, a lot of crazy suggestions mm-hmm. on on my end as well. And he's just really, really open about making the songs as good as they possibly can be, which I think just adds strength to the band, adds strength to him as a songwriter and gives me encouragement for where we can go in the future as far as working more together as a, as a full unit instead of just one guy taking 10 years to do everything. Then it can be four guys or more, you know, to to do something in a quicker amount of time and to sound better than, you know, any one of us could do on our own. I think it was like the second or third practice that I was jamming with you guys. Like, I don't even think I was actually officially part of the band yet. And I have a massive pedal board. Like I invested (laughs) way too much. And I was like, Hey Josh, how would this sound? And I click, you know, during, uh, like that weird interlude in between the verse and the chorus of I will, I clicked on my trem pedal, uh, tapped it to the tempo, and he was like, dude, that sounds sick. And and in my mind, I'm like, dude, this guy who wrote all the music, he's just going to shut down my ideas. Like, I don't know if this is even going to work. And then I showed it to him. And he was like, yeah, keep doing that. Because it was something he didn't think of, but that he liked for the sound of his music. And um, I mean, even when we go to play this stuff live, I don't think it's going to be the same as it is on the record. Cause we've, we've kind of been modifying it 
even after the uh after the release and everything like, yeah mm-hmm. you know, i think that we even said that from the get-go that we don't want our live show to be exactly like it is on the record you know like our even 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 down to the idea that we don't change our tuning at all but almost every song on the record is in a different tuning i mostly so i used to tune the whole my whole guitar and all of our guitars down to d standard and then put a capo on for everything so like i will was on capo like four and so i'm like playing my guitar like a man <laughs> you know because I'm, yeah. I'm like on the little up the, the top and um now we just play everything in down a half step, like all the songs, yeah. which has made some of them harder and some of them significantly easier. <laughs> so for me to sing at least. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just little different things like that make our, our live show a lot different. And we even have like a capture of a lot, our current live show, the cabin sessions, which we yeah. did last year. Well, two years ago now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. It's crazy. Crazy. All time flies. Something that I find really, really fascinating about you guys is how much of a shit you all give. Like, do you know how rare it is to be in a band where everybody cares about the songs and understands why things are happening and the different parts and the counter melodies and the structures? Like, I've never been in a band where every single person gives a shit. It'll be like me and one other person and then you're just trying to get the other three people to know what the fuck is up. So to be fair with that, my first, so I'm going for bat or for degree number two in computer science. Degree number one was in music production with a focus in jazz guitar. So it's like, kind of feel like it's kind of important to give a shit. Sure, sure, yeah, and I think that it's definitely crucial to give a shit. I think it's crucial to give a shit <laughs> yeah. no matter what style of music you're making, but particularly with the kind of stuff that the fading light is doing. But my question, Josh, is like how. Did you just find so many talented people? Was it luck or did you like seek out players that you knew were like capable and like, you know, skillful, like on your level? Because it's like, it's hard to find people like that. Um, well, actually with, with Ben, we actually, it's funny that John tech says that you, cause you, um, focused in jazz guitar because Ben and I actually met in the jazz band. Oh, that's right. Area. I forgot about that. So like I actually, when I started playing the guitar, I started in the high school jazz band. And so like, it was actually funny. I was thinking about it the other day. Um, my uncle had played guitar for many years and we, they were sitting around the campfire, like right around the time I started to learn how to play. And they're like, all right, play a C now a G now an F. And I'm like, I don't know any of those chords, man. And he's like, well, what chords do you know? And I'm like, I know B flat seven and E flat minor nine. And like all these different, like weird jazz chords were all the ones that I knew. And so mm-hmm. like, like a lot of my, um, even some of the newer stuff that I'm writing now too, I'm utilizing some of that theory knowledge to, uh, so I do a lot of interlocking rhythms and I'm trying to figure out how to do the same thing with melodies, uh, too. And again, still give it these pop sensibilities that are easy to remember and relate to because, you know, sometimes doing those weird experimental things can make things kind of inaccessible to people who either might only be listening casually or they're just not into that kind of thing. Right. But if you make a solid melody that gets in somebody's head, they'll come back and listen to it no matter what. Right. And so you want to, you draw them in and then you let them listen to the whole story as it unfolds around them. Right. Because the melody is always the first focus, but there's a lot more to the story is if you, if you keep listening. Sure. So I always, I always forget that we met in jazz band because I had no business even being in there. I don't even like jazz that much. The only reason I was in jazz band is because I want to get better at improving. 
And so I figured, well, I better join a jazz band or something like that. So it's just so funny because I don't listen to jazz. I love metal, industrial, heavier stuff, which we both like. And that's also funny that we're both playing in an indie rock band now. <laughs> right. I yeah. It's anyone, kind of- <laughs> I don't think anyone in a high school jazz band generally yeah. jazz. I think yeah, they just no. do it for the really crappy pop covers that are jazz. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I actually, I, I'm into, I'm kind of into jazz music, especially now. Um, as as the year out of gone the on, it really grew on me. What's that? I said, can we kick him out of the meeting? He just destroyed my point. <laughs> yeah, I gave myself away. Um, but yeah, like, um, like if you listen to if, if you listen to Snarky Puppy, I get I get some of my influence from some of their songs. Um, they write some really rock and stuff that, yeah, they do. that really rides the line between what you can call jazz fusion and just like whatever you want to call what they're doing i don't even know yeah so um bands like that if you ever hear the band invalids i draw a decent amount of inspiration from them and they're like math rock which kind of fits me i guess so um but yeah like i draw influence from all over the place like, I, I grew up on like corn and limp biscuit and stuff like that you know Gosh. what i mean yeah so, so, you know what is it like for you know you guys like i mean uh you know like engaging with stuff that you grew up listening to that may not be like you know we'll just say it's like under your ability abilities in some ways like do you find it like harder to appreciate music that is basically junk food or do you still enjoy junk food and i i actually i can speak on that pretty hard because i'm a hardcore green day fan and there's nothing impressive about Green Day's music. Like, all respect to Billy Joe Armstrong. He is an amazing songwriter and a hell of a performer. But at the core, theoretically, there's nothing hard about it. Like, if you know, if you can play three chords, you can play Green Day, ACDC, uh, Blink-182. Like, there's nothing. But it's not so much about the... Um, I guess, integrity of the music. It's more about like where the, where it came from. So like being a, being a green day fan for me, it's like Boulevard of broken dreams was like the first non pop song that I've ever heard. And even that was like borderline. But then I heard this song, wake me up when September ends on the radio at like 10 years old. And I was like, man, I want to learn how to play that. So saved up some money bought my first guitar and then I was like, Oh, there's so much more than just this out there. Mm. And through the years, like I found that whether it be jazz, fusion, um, metal rock, I, you know, going all the way to emo punk, like MCR, um, just kind of like where I draw my inspiration from is my roots in all of that, but embellishing on top of it. Like I don't play green. Like when I just play to play green day, uh, I don't just play the music. Like I add so much more to it than what's written. Not because I think it belongs there not because I'm trying to disrespect the songwriters by any means. It's just, I know what could work on it. So it just becomes an experiment for me of like, if this would have been released this way back when I found it, would I have still liked it? You know, that kind of thing. Sure. So there's still a lot of appreciation for junk food junk food music per se. Um, and I think it's important that any player, whether you're, I, uh, you know, Giddy Lee or 
um, uh, like Pat Martino, who is one of the best jazz musicians I've ever seen live. Um, I think it's important even at that level to just remember that sometimes easy jam music is uh, good, just as good for the soul, you know? Yeah. yeah I th- it, oh, go ahead. Thanks. What were we going to no, say? You, it, it sure show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Um, it's, it's interesting because every once in every now and again, I'll, uh, I'll think of some of these bands that I listened to growing up, especially in that, like, um, you know, mid teenage stage where you're really impressionable by music. And uh, I'll think, Oh man, hybrid theory. I got to pop that on again and take a listen to it. And a lot of time, like I enjoy it just as much as I did whenever I was a kid. And I like to think about, all right, now that I've matured as a human being and as a musician, how am I perceiving this and how, how is it the same and how is it different from that time whenever I was younger? And what I find nowadays is that, especially now that I'm into recording and, and mixing a lot uh, with my studio, a lot of times I can still tolerate the stuff that still sounds good. Like I think hybrid theory is a really good sounding record and still holds up after all these years. And there's things that I would change about. There's things that don't sound modern about it. Um, and I kind of like a more modern hard rock style, but I still think it sounds good. I think it's more interesting to listen to the old stuff that uh, maybe a good example is Korn's first album that maybe doesn't sound that good, but still has a lot of emotion and energy behind it. And so you still enjoy it. And so uh, it's just kind of interesting to, to hear and, and um, make that distinction between there's some stuff that I like just because it sounds good purely because, Oh man, like this is just a banging song and the low end is amazing and everything's really well balanced. And then there's other music that man, this sounds like crap, but the emotion, like the, sure. the the musicians put into it, it is coming across and it makes me feel a certain way. So yeah, there's a thing about that first corn album that just mm-hmm. sounds disgusting. It sounds gross. <laughs> it's like Absolutely. frightening. It's uncomfortable. The songs are uncomfortable. Like every nuance about that album just like makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Like it's so it's gross. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, it's, it's what it's meant for. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool. If you like, I mean, I know that was nobody's intention or maybe it was, or was it just lightning in a bottle, happy accident sort of thing, you know, yeah. like yeah. basically, yeah, sure. And be, you know, basically <laughs> an entire, you know, that album kind of catapulted an entire genre of music yeah. in okay. a lot of ways. And, and recording styles and things like that. So much bullshit came out as a result of that. So thanks for that corn. Yeah. But uh <laughs> but uh yeah, I can go back and still listen to that record. I'm like this fucking record is fucked up. Like it's just oh, yeah. gross. It's a real gross record. Do you think wanna- so I know that it's our show, but Sykes, do you think we'll ever get records like that again because so much stuff is overproduced nowadays. Nowadays and I to me that's junk food. Well, dude, you know what's funny about that? You were just talking about hybrid theory. And I remember mm-hmm. hybrid theory getting shit for being overproduced 20 years ago when it came out. Huh. And yeah, now you're looking, looking now, now you're like, yeah, you're now you're like, Oh, it doesn't sound modern enough. So yeah. I think yeah. that like, honestly, and like, we're talking, we're looking back on this corn album now. That's almost 20 years old. It's from 94. You yeah. know, it's, it's so, uh, um, you know, an EDM artist who did a cover of in the end. And I, uh, 
I was like, man, that bass sounds so smooth. Like the low end, mm-hmm. like it's there, but it's not rumbly. Uh, you know, like just overall was a really great iteration of the of the tune. And then I went back and I was like, man, why doesn't why doesn't it sound the same like when the actual artist did it? And I, I think a lot of it just comes from I, uh, you know, we as musicians and engineers were always looking to improve sound. We're always looking to move forward and we tend to forget that when we go backwards, we can't judge it off of today's standards. You yeah. Know, like back when they mixed hybrid theory, like that was revolutionary. That was like, holy crap, they're mixing rock and hip hop and, yeah, uh, and rapping and they're singing. And it like, that was their polished. Whereas to today's standards, that's like, okay, who, like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that, they were super ahead of the curve and it was another one of those generational albums that spawned, you know, yeah. there would be no 21 pilots without Lincoln park. Right. right. And you know, yeah, exactly. I don't know if, you know, 15 years from now, if we're going to look back on imagine dragons and be like, wow, they really reinvented rock and roll and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> I hope to God, uh, not. but <laughs> who the fuck knows? Like yeah. I have no idea because there's no way that you would have told me 20 years ago, like looking back on Korn's self-titled album that I would have been like, Oh yeah, that was actually a pretty important statement in the realm yeah. of art for heavy yeah, metal. That's true. You know, I Machine wouldn't have Gun thought Ke- about Machine it. Machine Gun Kelly changed his metal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, dude, to answer that question, I, I mean, I'm sure there is something happening right now, yeah. but I don't, I don't know what it is. It could be anything. You know, yeah, easy to look back on it, but hard to look forward into it. What's really fun for me and maybe you guys can, you know, chime in on this is it's been fun, particularly in heavier styles of music, like with metal and metal adjacent things, rock music in general, like how the genre has grown as a result of recording technologies. Like Mm -hmm. metal has gotten so more fat, like so much faster and so much more technical (laughs) as a result Mm -hmm. of computers. Yeah. Which, oh, you know, yeah. and for a while you had a decade where everything just sounded like techno music, but it was metal. But then what happens is these kids that are learning how to play guitar think that, oh, that's how people just play guitar. So then right. all of a sudden you have a fucking, you know, Polyphia and Chon and all of these fucking young kids coming out that are playing like, what the fuck? Why can you play that good? And you're like 12. Yeah. And yeah. there's like this whole generation. So it's like, what's the next generation of kids going to be like? And how's it going to? How's the genre going to keep transcending? How much crazier, how much more technical can things get? How many more different styles of music can we throw into a pot? I feel like we're like reaching this point of like, I can't imagine it getting any wilder or crazier, but every year it seems to be like I've come across some album or some band that I'm like, wow, like it's still growing. It's really cool. I I kind of hate to say it this way, but I get the feeling that at least on the recording end, we're going to start seeing like multi-click uh, recording sessions where like there are multiple clicks going to different musicians because it's getting more technical, it's getting more polished. And um, I hate to say it, but I really feel like musicians are starting to get lazy because of it um, in the sense of, you know, yeah, you have that 12 year old that can play tool perfectly. And it's like, well, that's cool and all, but do you understand why it's played that way or do you understand why it was written that way? Like, are you feeling it or are you just playing? Sure. You know, that, Mm -hmm. 
that goes back to, you know, talking about Green Day in terms of like, wow, these aren't technical songs. They were yeah. like the nuance of why these songs were written and the feeling that goes into them being played, the performance of them and their purpose is so much far greater. And that's right. what makes them great songs. I'd, I'd rather play a four chord song with heart and soul than a seven, eight polyphonic, like <laughs> technical mess. Yeah. Perfectly. Like, because if there's no heart and soul behind it and if there's no purpose behind it, then that's cool. But in the end of the day, what, what purpose does it serve? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's why ghost blew up in the way that they did around the time yeah. that they came out, mm -hmm. because like that was like right at the heart of like, you know, bands like the, the faceless and born of Osiris and yeah. you know, all that shit where it's like way, way, way too much. Like it's fun to listen to. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening, but this isn't like a, it's like, you know, somebody speaking a foreign language at me when I'm listening to it, you know, it's like watching, yeah. A movie in a foreign language you don't understand at 10 speed and trying to keep oh, up yeah. with the subtitles that's like listening to the faceless <laughs> for me i'm like what the fuck is happening this is cool but then you know have a, a ghost comes out and they're like yo back to basics fun gimmick simple rock songs catchy melodies great production and like everybody was like yes thank you a breath of fresh air something that has like heart and passion and you know mm. fun purpose on the opposite end of the spectrum, I mean, Taylor Swift releasing two albums in the same year, both like bare bones, almost folk style, complete opposite of where she's been. And it's like, don't get me wrong, like I have a soft spot for Taylor Swift because, you know, as a singer songwriter, she's fantastic. Uh, but to hear her go back to where her roots are and like put like her full soul into it. And you can hear the the emotion in her voice. Like it doesn't just sound like a number one hit. It sounds like her music. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it'd be really cool to see more artists kind of follow suit, you know, go back to where you started and get rid of all the soft synths, get rid of all the, you know, melodines and the auto tunes and all the, you know, just crap that we put on records and just play. Mm -hmm. I, I think that you had mentioned, you know, artists getting lazy and i think that that's 1000 percent uh uh unfortunate side effect of the times that we're in you know it kind of it's awesome that anybody can record anything and put it online and you know get you know a pack of black friday waves plugins you know, for like $20, uh, and, you know, and then, you know, this demo idea that they had, they can make it sound like a legitimate, like good enough, something that like a pretty decent recording, you know, it's, you mean maybe somebody with a trained ear can pick up the nuance of like, you know, Oh, this isn't EQ'd properly, but you know, most people it's just like, okay, this sounds like a song. And I feel like people don't work as hard to be like, Oh, I need to really learn this stuff because I'm going into the studio and I gotta, you know, I want to work with the band and, or we're tracking this live or, you know, I think once people get the idea that like, Oh, we can comp guitar solos and we can auto tune vocal parts and we can punch in and, you know, I think it's just like in the back of everyone's head, even if people go into the studio thinking like, well, I'm just going to try to play this. It's always like, well, I can fix it if I need to. So there's always this sort of back burner in everybody's brain where it's like, well, I don't need to work as hard as maybe I should. The number one most dangerous phrase in music right now is, oh, I can fix it in post. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a you good know, one. Yeah. If, if you didn't capture it, you're not going to get it. Like sure. there, there is no talent button. You know, there is no heart button. I mean, there is, but only on Facebook and by, you know, <laughs> less people that no one, you know, that no one cares about. Mm-hmm. But if, if you didn't capture it, then you don't have it and post can't do post can't save you. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I really lucked out on was when I first started recording music, um, I was in high school. It would have been like 2002. I had an IBM tower that ran windows 98 real sick. Um, but it worked, (laughs) it worked. I just didn't have a lot of resources, but I had that and it worked and I was recording music on it, but now I was teaching myself and I didn't understand like plugins and VSTs and all this stuff. I didn't even know if my computer could run them. Like I just didn't know. So, and I used that computer for probably four or five years before I can afford to get a nicer setup. So Mm. basically my entire like formation around recording music, it was, I got to record this right because I don't have the plugins. Mm -hmm. So it's all trying to figure out how to mic something properly or do the right effects on like an outboard drum machine. Cause I didn't have any soft sense either. So it was all actual gear. So I was like, fuck, like now looking back on it, I'm really thankful for that because I'm so used to just like the idea is like, Oh, let's get it and record it and not like fuck around with plugins or do all this other stuff. I mean, I use them now obviously, but my brain is still hardwired to like, okay, let's do, let's find some cool pedals. Let's find something to make this happen organically because it's going to sound better in the long run, just knowing that you created something. And I like that danger of not being able to fix something in post. It's a lot. Oh my God. It's a lot more entertaining. It's like the most punk rock thing I could do. I suppose (laughs) now it's just like track it raw. Oh yeah, Yeah, exactly. If you want, you want to hear a funny story about how the, especially with the fading light here. So when I first started doing the fading light back in St. Mary's would have been like with my cousin and all those guys, it would have even been before they joined the band. Right. So like I had these songs that I would just play on my acoustic guitar and then just play and sing to them. But like, I was like, I got to make like a song, like a demo for these guys to hear so that they can have something to play. Cause like they didn't, you know, they were the kind of like they, they, my, my cousin actually learned how to play the drums to play with us. And so I was like, I need to have something for him to listen to. Otherwise he's not going to be able to play to the songs. Right. So like I hooked up, I used audacity and I plugged it right into the microphone port of my yep. other. Right. So I didn't even have like a, a I think we've a all done that. Right. <laughs> hear like the fans on the recording. Like, like going around. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and so the latency was so bad that I would have to do every track from start to finish with nothing but the clip. <laughs> So like I would have to do like like the all of the one like the left side guitar within one go for the whole song and then I'd start over and do the right side one to just the click and then I would do the bass part to just the click and I would do the piano and then because like I couldn't play all of the drum parts with my keyboard I would have to do like just the drums and then just the cymbals. And so there were some parts where you'd get like drum parts where it was impossible to play. You'd need like six arms to play it because there'd be toms and like snare going. And then the cymbals are going on every beat too. And it's like, there's no way to play this. And so, and then I would have to record the vocals in very tiny sections to try to get this thing all put together so that I would have something to be like, Hey guys, I have a new song. Let's try to play. Yeah. So Just like, to get a was, demo. That was how I started. And then even all the way up until probably like six years ago, I still was doing things kind of similar to that because I just did not know how to do all of the different things that were related to it. I didn't have an audio interface that could give me low latency 
or anything like that. You know, like I was, I was up until I graduated college, I was just poor as hell. So, you know, I wasn't going to spend money on audio interface for, a, especially for the laptop that I had, which I got out of a dumpster. You know what I mean? Like that was the yeah. laptop I had all through college. I wasn't going to get a whole bunch of stuff to go with it. So, you know, um, when I finally got all of my stuff, like I use Cubase now and I have like an actual setup that I can, re I really record things. Like most of the stuff on the album I recorded here. And then like we did the vocals all at Ben's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with, you know, writing all of these songs and self-producing, but still like working on other styles of music, you know, and we've joked or commented several times that, you know, like this indie rock thing maybe isn't like 100% who you all are. Do you find that it is like a blessing or a curse that you have, like that you keep everything separated? Does there ever a part of you that feels tempted to like, you know, muddy the waters a bit and maybe get a little wild and like, okay, like this could be angrier. Is it intentional to keep things in like a box or constrained to some point? Or is it just like, well, we have these other things that we do outside of the fading light. So there's no need to, we, we don't feel that need to maybe push the boundaries. Well, for me personally, like the way that I've written over the years, it's like, certain moods that I'm in have a tendency to just lend themselves better to the types of songs that I would write when I'm feeling that way or thinking about a specific type of thing. So I guess like getting deeper into the album. So like I will is a song about, you know, being in a long distance relationship and, you know, it was part of like a letter that I wrote to somebody and um, you know, I, I kind of like put music to it as, as part of a, a thing. Same thing with in the morning. Um, those were like, I even say things about it. Like I, I, as, as I'm writing you this letter, like I actually say it in the song, like I'm writing a letter to you. Um, all I can be was a letter I wrote to somebody, uh, you know? So it's like all of those types of things lend them, lended themselves very well to having this like acoustic guitar piano thing going on because of, I guess just how I was feeling. And a lot of my angrier stuff is for sure heavier, but I have some stuff that's like really like, really super like joyous and happy. Like I've got like ska songs that I've written and like pop punk stuff. Like I have a whole pop punk album. That's like half pop punk, half like metal punk. Ben and I, we, we need to finish that actually. <laughs> metal <laughs> punk album. Yeah. So I have like another album that I had that was actually, I was in a band in high school called worst case scenario. And um, we had like an entire album written and then um, we broke up. And so I was like, man, you know, like why not just release those songs? Because why not? You know? And so like, we actually, we have it almost all done. We just need to put the final touches on it. I think do some vocals. Yeah. <laughs> well, finished. we can release that too. Sykes. I think that is an awesome question. And at least from my perspective, from my perspective, I think that it's a blessing to keep everything separate. Uh, and that might just be a reflection on like, we're all, we're all older. I think John, you're the youngest out of all of us. I'm 25. Oh man, you're the baby, baby. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> this, this, this might not apply to you, but I've, I've played enough shows and enough different styles that I am more than happy to keep the indie rock, the indie rock. And I don't, you know, I don't want to add distortion to my bass and make it a, you know, like something that it isn't. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Like in that, in our one single on my own, like I do have a heavy amount of distortion and it's kind of, that baseline is more than like an indie rock song. That's where the bass kind of takes more of the lead in the verses there. And I think that's totally fine. Like, but that's mm -hmm. what we were going for in that song. Um, but in general, 
I like to play simpler things. I like to uh, just kind of support what the song needs because that's more enjoyable from a live playing perspective. And it allows you to interact more with the audience to make eye contact to, because that's one thing that I love about, you know, growing up at the time period that, that I did and the music that was happening then and going to live shows. I mean, that was such a bigger thing in our culture than it is even now, regardless of there being a pandemic or not. Um, uh, like live shows have just kind of been a thing that have been dissipating more and more and more. But I think that the big thing that I gained from that growing up in that time period was it really, the music was really so much about the interaction between the audience and the artist on stage. And uh, my favorite artists that I was listening to growing up, like they were all really great performers and that made such an imprint on me. And it, it made me want to uh, do the same thing for, any crowd that I played in front of, you know, that to make it, to make the live show a better experience than it could just be listening to a good song on a CD, but to have that human to human connection. Yeah. Yeah. Me, when I was in high school, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. For me, I mean, I can keep it separated, but uh, no matter what style, I, you know, even when I was a jazz student at Duquesne, um, even playing jazz, like the second that the improv would come up, like, yeah, I'd keep it to the style, but you would always hear like a little bit of like a Green Day slash Transsiberian Orchestra kind of influence come through. Um, and that's just because that's what I grew up around. That's what I, I know. And, um, you know, that was my biggest influence. So for me, I can stick to the style while also bringing out my influences. So I actually think it's both a blessing and a curse to keep it separated a blessing because there are moments where, you know, a pinch harmonic is perfect. And like, you know, bringing out that natural feedback, like the Lincoln park feedback you hear, especially on hybrid theory, but then also bringing out like the sweet melodies of trans orchestra. And then there are moments where the palm mutes are, you know, very green day esque, especially from the dookie album. Um, and basket case comes to mind in particular for that. But I, uh, you know, I try to let my influences flow into the style. Um, if they're going to be there, they might as well be there in the best way possible. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool. I think that it's always interesting, you know, cause I've been in positions where I've had, you know, I'm in three music projects right now. So I don't feel the need to kind of like everything that I want to do musically is happening in these individual pockets. But there was a time when all I had was my solo material and, you know, the album that I put out as that time at that time is like looking back on it. It's like, a mess. It is so schizophrenic because like, I just mm. wanted to do so much, right. you know, like I listened mm. to all this different music and I didn't have an outlet for stuff that was a little heavier or stuff that was a little more like EDM electronica influenced. And, you know, so I'm like trying to make this like rap rock slash metal slash like industrial slash, which sounds like normal now, but at the time it yeah, wasn't, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, it just didn't like, you know, it didn't gel. And also I didn't really know what I was doing. That was recorded on that windows 98 tower, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, now it's, I think I like, having, you know, the multiple things and knowing that I'm capable and I could pull influence like 
John was saying and like find a fun way to maybe take something a little heavier and apply it to like, you know, an, a, a more electronic bass track, like still have like mm-hmm. a cool, heavy, dark rhythm that's maybe not so much of like a four on the floor dancey sort of thing, but like give it like this weird slow, like almost like a doom metal vibe slow, but all <laughs> with like, you know, dark synths and stuff like that's like, it's fun. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this is kind of like, you know, this distorted saw bass, you know, has like the same sort of a vibe as like maybe some bullshit doom metal track might have, but it's an electronic track and it doesn't sound like a doom metal track at all. I'm just pulling it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as we are rounding the station here before the, we have a, we have to end the chat, but also we've pretty much hit our hour at this point. So, but I, um, I want to talk a bit about the album we have talked about it a bit. We should probably <laughs> tell people w- where they can hear it and how they can get their hands on it. That'd probably be a good thing to do. And uh, I don't know who wants to take the reins on that. I'll take the reins on that one. Um, the The easiest way to find it actually is to go to the fadinglight.net. We have a, a website where uh, you can find links to all of our different stuff. I actually have an entire playlist of our whole album up on YouTube. That's on our uh, YouTube channel. You can just listen to it for free. Uh, we're on Spotify, you know, iTunes, Amazon Music, Apple Music. Not iTunes anymore. Oh, really? They got Did rid of that. Oh, good it's, to know. I will change like the link on the website. Yeah, I'm 99% sure it's just Apple Music now. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to change our Yeah, you then. old man. Oh, man. <laughs> Not keeping up with the, the new the new things. But uh, yeah, we're on everything. We're on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, active on Facebook and Instagram for posting on our page for different things. Um, so yeah, go, go and follow us, the fading light.net. You'll be able to find all of our different things. Uh, we have the entire cabin sessions. We have, uh, we actually have physical CDs if people are interested in getting them. Um, COVID has, uh, impacted the sale and delivery of some of those a little bit, but I've been shipping them out as I get the chance to, um, so whenever we play, start playing live shows again, those will be, we'll have many of those and hopefully t-shirts too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the album and you can, if you want to, you want to hold that up again, John, you might have to say something. To yeah. Get the focus. John talk, check it out. <laughs> I see my reflection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no. But it has like a, is that better? That's a little bit better, actually. A little yeah. bit. Yeah, there, there you go. There it is. There it is. Perfect. The artwork for that was actually done by Ben's wife, Eileen. Yeah. She did a, a wonderful job. job. She actually took a picture of my head to do that. Um, Man, I knew I, saw that, awesome. uh, I, I knew I saw that fading hairline. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that was me. Yeah. Um, the fading hairline. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, the fading hairline. That's our alter people. <laughs> check it out that's our really bad remix uh rap Uh version of all the songs where like josh scream raps it oh gosh don't tempt me dude (laughs) i'll do it (laughs) um i love to sing my songs album (laughs) i love to sing all the songs in like a really obnoxious like country twang accent and so we could just we could we could do that we could do like a rap album where we rap in a country accent what if we did it in the style of Creed? Oh, bro, you're speaking to my soul now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, but I'm that's slowly, the album. I'm slowly backing into the bushes. 
<laughs> but anyway, no. So the album itself, not, not to uh, distract too much. This is, this is what we do. Um, the album itself, again, is, is just stories of my life, really, over the years. I started writing it way back in 2009. Well, really, even earlier than that, 2008, probably. Um, and it's just kind of followed my journey of different things that I've done, all the way from dealing with long-distance relationships, being with somebody who doesn't seem to see themselves the way that you see them, you know? Things like trying to to be your best and prove yourself to someone or even like my jokes, like in tonight, you know, the, 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 the things that are a little bit fun, you know, dealing, dealing with regret, dealing with, um, rejection, you know, kind of there, I have a, a, a bunch of my songs are about redemption, trying to, to find out how to come back from, some of the mistakes that you've made it's difficult and it's hard to deal with and you know like you asked earlier about how is it easy to categorize the different types of music i write and i think that the fading light kind of falls under that for me is learning how to accept my life as it is and kind of documenting it and so that's that's been the exercise here is finding an interesting way to document what happens to me so it's fun for all of us to play and easy for people to listen to Sure. So that's the fading light. So next time he falls in the toilet, he's going to write a number one hit. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> well, my friends, with all of that being said, I'm going to let you all get going and enjoy your evenings. It's been a pleasure talking with you all. John, Ben, BB, and Josh. <laughs> and uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, yes, dude, thank you. Super, oh, super welcome. Great. Again, uh, you know, I, I think you guys are a great band. I think the album is great. And uh, I definitely look forward to seeing you live and in person at some point in time, you know, cheer, cheers a beer. Hopefully soon. Rock a riff, bang a head. We'll do, we'll do all the fun stuff. So with all that being said, I'm going to do my outro and then I'm going to GTFO as the young ones say. Right on. <laughs> And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And that is a podcast, my friends. Thank you all so much. I will see you all. I don't know when, but I will see you all on the flip side.